Hey, good morning again. Um, so we're going to this thing we call the huddle. Some people call it the cuddle, but um, basically uh, it's something we started, um, Paul and I started, got to be over 20 years ago, and it's in New Hampshire, and we meet with, uh, we invite Calvary chapels all around New England to come and, and bring whoever they want to bring, and we just meet up there. We, we uh, meet at a Christian camp. We have just a, a great time together, just so those of you that have no idea what we're talking about. Uh, but pray for us. It's, uh, you know, the enemy isn't happy, like I said last week, for us to get together and do stuff. So pray for us. Let's open our Bibles to uh, 3 John. 3. 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. And uh, <clears throat> last week we had, uh, we finished out Second uh, John. And we talked about um, being together. Turn this thing on here. We talked about fellowship, about being face-to-face. Can you put that screen on for me, please? There you go. And, uh, you know, it was really part of the foundation of the church, Acts 2.42, to be together in fellowship and to be face-to-face with one another. And, I, and I've been thinking about that a lot in the last couple of weeks. And, and it's not always easy. And again, I just said that the enemy doesn't necessarily want us to get together and be face-to-face. But, but I was thinking afterwards, you know, you, you always, well, I always think of things after. Well, I, I, should, I should have said something about that, too. But I think one of the reasons we don't get together sometimes is because of fear. We're just afraid. We don't want to be together because we're afraid of we're afraid of people might not like us. We're afraid of what they might think, whatever. And so the fear kind of keeps us away sometimes too. It's just easier to um, not go, not be together. And I'm I'm not talking about just here at this church. I'm talking about in in gatherings of all different kinds where where we want to get together and God's called us to be together for as we saw in that last passage, for encouragement and for joy. He said, so that your joy would be complete or that it would be filled up. And we, I, think, I think we sometimes don't realize that, that the other people that are here, that you're with, they are your joy. We think we have to have all the joy ourselves, but you are my joy, Paul said. And so... Um, we, we bring joy into one another's lives when we get together. If you don't show up, how can, you know, how can you cheer me up? If you guys were all not here, I would still give this message, and, and then I'd be kind of bummed out because I didn't see your faces because we weren't face-to-face. So there's something about it. Don't let fear, you know, fear is a powerful thing. Don't let fear stop us from what... God has for us. You know, we're going to do this huddle, as I said, and it's, it's a lot of work to get ready for it. And, uh, you know, it's just easier if we didn't do it. We didn't drive three and plus hours to get there. We didn't spend that time together. But, but we would miss out, and those people there would miss out as well. So there's something about the encouragement and the joy. So you are my joy I hope that I can be a part of your joy as well. So today we go into 3 John, and, and 3 John is actually the shortest book in the New Testament. The shortest book 
in the New Testament. But it's kind of very warm and, and it's personal in a sense that it's, it's written to a person that John knew that John loved, that he cared for. There was this relationship and, and, and uh, a friendship, but even deeper than a friendship. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Let's read there in uh, 3 John. We're going to read the first uh, <clears throat> few verses. He says, The elder, speaking about John, writes, To my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth, Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. It gave me great joy to have some brothers come and tell about your faithfulness to the truth and how you continue to walk in the truth. Verse 4, he says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Notice what I'm saying here. He, he, he says it twice in these first two verses. He talks about his dear friend. Now, Gaius, just so you know, Gaius was a kind of a common name, sort of like John. How many Johns are there in this room today? Only one? I guess it's not so common anymore. <laughs> but it was kind of common back then. In fact, in the Bible, it talks about a number of different Gaiuses. There was one in Acts 19, where he was a traveling companion of Paul, and he was from Macedonia. Another one in, in chapter 20, he was uh, a Gaius, he was from a place called Derby. First Corinthians, there was a, a Gaius who was baptized by Paul. And in, in Romans chapter 16, there was a, a Gaius who was very hospitable. Paul said, Gaius, whose hospitality I and the whole church here enjoy, send you his greetings. So there, you know, there are a number of different guys. They're, they're probably not all the same guy. But perhaps John could be writing to one of these particular guys that are mentioned in different place, places in the New Testament. We do know by this letter, just reading this letter alone, that, that he was a leader by the way John speaks to him. He was a leader. He had responsibility in this fellowship that he was a part of. And we knew that, that he took care of people. We know that. We see that. We learn that. We'll, we'll get to some of that later. But I think the biggest thing that, that, that I want to focus on today is that there was this relationship. There was this friendship between John the Apostle, John the Beloved Apostle, and this man named Gaius. There was a relationship, a very special friendship, very special relationship. And I think there's something about that that makes life go round, if I can say that. Relationships. What makes church a fellowship is the relationship here. It's not just coming and sitting in a chair and then blasting out, but it's rather having a relationship with someone. Now, you can't have relationships with every single person. doesn't matter how big the church is, how small the church is. But you can have relationships with a few people. I notice this. I notice that uh, you know, people tend to talk to the same people each week. And you say, well, that's, you know, they've got their cliques and that's all bad and all that. But is it really? Not necessarily because they're building relationship with those few people. You can't be you know, in relationship with every single person on a deeper level. But 
That doesn't mean that sometimes we need to break out of our cliques and speak to somebody new. Some of you just have a real vision for reaching out to people that you've never seen here before. And that's wonderful. That's awesome. Because people come, they want to know, it, you know, it, they're fearful enough to come through that front door, believe me. When, when you go to visit another church, it's not like, oh, you're just going home. It's fearful. It's, it's you know, kind of intimidating in a sense. And so people are wondering, like, what, you know, what's it going to be like there? Now, maybe they just want to be left alone, but, but most people want to know that somebody recognized that, that they actually showed up. So I'm encouraging you, if you see someone that you don't recognize here, go up to them, at least say hello. Does that going to hurt you? You're fearful. I'm afraid to go say hello to that person. That person looks really scary. But you never know. Looks are deceiving sometimes. <laughs> Anyways, there was this relationship, getting back to the text here. Uh, and, and he calls him my dear friend. He does it twice in, in two verses. He actually does it more times than that in this le- letter. The, the actual word there is agapetos, which is a form of the word what? Agape, love. It was a beloved. That's why many of the translations uh, translate it beloved. We don't necessarily use that kind of language that much anymore. Oh, hi, beloved. And I call my wife beloved, and she goes like, who are you talking to? <laughs> like, what did you say? Uh, but there's something about that, the depth of love. And, and so I, I kind of use it all, dear beloved friend that he uses. The, and different versions use this word, uh, dear friend, this translation of dear friend, that uh, CSB and the NLT and and, uh, and a few other versions use that. But it's used 62 times in the New Testament. 62 times it's brought out that there's this, some kind of relationship, 62 times where it's used. Four times just in this letter. Four times. John uses it in 1 John six times. So just in these short letters of John's, he, ten times he's, used, he's calling people my dear Beloved one, my dear friend, my dear beloved friend. Now, there is another word that's also used for the word friend, our English word friend, and it's phylos, which is a form of what word? Phileo, which is another word for love. Uh, Kind of agape is the deepest love, if you want to call it that. It's the God kind of love. And then phileo is kind of like uh, brotherly love, and, and uh, we get the, the name of Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. So, so he uses, there's these two words, and that, that word uh, for friend is used like 29 times. The point being is that there's these relationships. There's these friendships, and John loved this particular person, and he wasn't afraid to say it. He wasn't afraid to express it. He actually wrote something to this man to, to tell him, hey, I, you know, I, you're my friend. I love you, and I, and I care about you. Notice he says there, he goes on to say, to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth, whom I love in the truth. The foundation for 
this friendship, this relationship they had was the truth. You and I, you know, we, we come here, we come here and we gather together, not just because we like each other, though I hope that we do, but we gather around the truth of who Jesus is, of who God is, of who we are, that we need Jesus Christ in our lives. That, that is the, the, the thing that binds our hearts together. He says, I love, I love you guys. I love you in the truth. This is who we, we, we have a common faith in Jesus. This is what binds us together. This is what, what, what binds Christians together all over the whole planet is that we have a faith in Jesus Christ. <clears throat> You know, I'm thinking about Friends. How many of you remember Michael W. Smith uh, wrote a song called Friends? There's something about that. Um, Michael W. Smith, I just want to read the, the chorus of the line. Um, this goes back to like 1990, I think. That's a long time ago. He says the chorus goes like this, and Friends are friends forever if the Lord's the Lord of them. And a friend will not say never because the welcome will not end, though it's hard to let you go. In the Father's, hand, in the Father's hands we know that a, that a lifetime's not too long to live as friends. Isn't that sweet? There's something about having a friend, and, and even though in this particular song is about someone who is moving away, and, but he says, you know, we've got a friendship, and we're going to be friends forever. The truth is our relationships should be long-term relationships. John's writing to this man, and he says, he says at the end of this letter, like he said at the end of Second uh, John, that, you know, i, I got to stop writing because I, I, I want to be there with you face-to-face because I love you that much. I want to, to care about you. I want to express that with you. So, we need friends. I don't know about you. Do you need friends? Any of you have friends? Say, I don't have any friends. I've heard that. I've heard people. I've heard it and I've said it. Have you ever said it? I don't have any friends. Now, usually it's when, you know, we we're just kind of in a bad way. And it's usually not true. Unless you're really mean. You probably don't have any friends. <laughs> But it's probably not true, especially if you're part of a fellowship, that there are people here who care about you, who, who want to have a friendship with you, who, 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 who want to get to know you more. So I think we need friends, and I think it's important. And, 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 and John is showing us here, and John is, again, he's, he's the apostle of love, and, and, but, but he knew that relationships were so important. My dear friend, guys, whom I love in the truth. So if we have friends, John is going to tell us here, what, what do we do? How do we take care of our friends? Because you need to take care of your friends. You need to reach out to them, yes. You need to spend time with them. We know these things. But John tells us, about how we, how we can take care of them here in verse 2, doesn't he? Look what he says. Dear friend, I pray. Dear friend, I pray. I pray. And that's, I think that's what, what we want to talk about 
what we, what we see John wants to focus on in, here in, in verse 2 is that if you have a friendship, he says, I pray for you. I pray. Dear friend, I pray. He prayed for his friend. Now, it, this wasn't just a greeting. I pray that you're going to be all right. You know, we, we say to people, oh, be well. That means nothing. Be well. That means, uh, you know, good luck. Be well, because I'm going my way, and I don't have to worry about you anymore. That's not what he's saying. He said, I'm praying for you. And, and, and we're going to look here. What does he pray about? There's two main things that he prays about. The first thing he prays is that you, he says, that you may enjoy good health. He prays for Gaius' health. That word means to be sound, to be well and also this phrase, safe and sound. Literally what it means. Now we don't know, maybe Gaius was sick, and that's why he said, I'm going to pray that you would uh, you know, be well, that your health would get better. We don't know that, but we do know that, is that he was praying for his friend. He was praying for him. We send out uh, these prayer alerts in the church, don't we? And, and it seems like there's always somebody who's not well in our church. Isn't that true? How many of you get those prayer alerts and, it, and, it, and, it, and it, it just helps you to know? Maybe some of you don't, don't get them. You're, we don't have your email address. We'll, we'll be glad to, to take your email address and send you out these prayer alerts because people are in trouble. And, and you know how encouraging it is when someone finds out that you have been praying for them? I think it was an encouragement to Gaius to hear. He got this letter and he reads it and says, oh man, he's praying for me. John the Apostle is praying for me. I think it's encouraging to find out that someone's praying for you. That's why I know some of you do this when you hear that there's some kind of need. You actually will contact them somehow. You'll send them a card or something. Some of you do that. That's kind of outdated, right? But you could send them a text. You could send them, uh, if you have their number, or an email. And let them know you're praying for them. It's encouraging to know. I'm encouraged when, when people tell me that, uh, you know, I'm praying for you. There are a lot of needs. And, 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 and he prayed that, that he would be safe and sound. He would pray that he would be healthy, that, he, that God would help him through the physical challenges of this life. Maybe you have a prayer need right now. You're, you're going through some kind of physical issue. Have you asked anybody to pray for you? I, you know, I believe, you know, we have, and Chris is up here, and there's gals up here every single week to pray for anybody who would have some kind of a need. And, and uh, they're here for you. If you need prayer for you, they'll keep it, they'll keep it uh, confidential. They don't need to tell everybody. But if you need prayer... Come and ask. I've seen God do miraculous things when people are, are, are willing to humble themselves and say, will you just pray for me? I mean, you know, I had this surgery a few weeks ago and I said, Chris, you guys got to pray for me. Jim, you guys got to pray for me because I might freak out before I had the surgery. And I freak out. After, I freak out all the time. So, you know, but, you know, certain things, physical things, you know, things that are going wrong in your life, ask someone to pray for you. It's a, a personal relationship that makes that possible, though. 
But if you had a friendship, if you had somebody who you knew well that you could share something with, you know, hey, I'm, I'm going through this thing, and, you know, I don't want a lot of people to know about this, but can you just pray for me? If you had one friend like that, it would make all the difference. So the first thing he prayed for him is that he would enjoy good health. Health is important, isn't it, in this, in this life? It affects everything if we're not healthy. So he, he says, will you pray? And the second thing he, he asked for is what? He says, I would, I would pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you. That all may go well with you. Some versions say that you may prosper. The, the, the word literally means to be helped on the road. To be helped on the road. That's why some versions say it like this, that all may go well with you, that, that you would have a good journey in this life. This is something I think we, we all, we, we may not all be sick, but we all need help along the journey in this life. And that's why we help each other along this road. Whatever your path is, whatever my path is, we need to help one another on that road. I desperately want that prayer for, for my life. I want you to pray for me. I need that. Do you? You know, John, to have a friend like John to be praying for you, uh, praying for this man Gaius, that, that he, you know, that, that you would, you know, have help along this journey, that you would be prosperous, that you would be successful in all things. Not just financially, though. Which, you know makes me think uh, this verse, I'll just mention this. This verse has been used by the kind of the people of the prosperity gospel. They use this word that says prosper. You may prosper. You may have good health and you may prosper. And it's kind of like health and wealth. And they kind of focus in on those things. And this is something you just got to claim because of this verse here. But David Guzik said this. He said, some have wrongly taken this as a guarantee of perpetual wealth and perfect health for the Christian. Again, we can take verses and we can take them out of context and, and we can you know, not pay attention to, to, the, to the whole context of the scripture and, and make verses say whatever we want to. But let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater either. Let's not... Uh, forget that prayer is powerful and that we can pray that people would be healed and, and, and we can pray that God would prosper people in, in their businesses and in their lives, that God would take care of their needs. It's okay to pray that. Sometimes, you know, because we, you know, something is way, way out of whack over here, well, we just don't, well, I'm not going to go there anymore. But John prayed it. Not a bad thing. Just because someone's taken it to some weird you know, extreme. We pray for one another that God would provide. We, you hear about someone who's having a hard time financially, we'll pray for them. And maybe even help them. The, the thing is, ultimately, we're called to pray, but, but ultimately, the, the results are found where? Who has the results? 
God has the results. The, the results are in God's hands, not ours. But we're called to pray, and then whatever God decides to do, however God wants to answer that prayer, we need to leave it there with him. So we pray for one another, people that we know and love. You can't pray for everybody in this church, though, can you? And this is not a big church, but you can't pr- I can't pray for everyone every single day. It's just like... And I don't even know what's going on in your life, but those people who I know about and the situations that I'm aware of, I can pray. But to pray specifically is something special. Because I can say a prayer, oh God, just watch over the whole church. And maybe you pray that. And, and he does. But there's something special about praying for someone individually. I pray for so-and-so that you would help them with this trial that they're facing right now. The third thing that I want to point out to you, and this is kind of interesting, where he says, he says there in the last part of verse 2, he says, even, he prays, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that you may, that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. There's kind of a connection here between the, you know, the physical circumstances, but, but then he makes a distinction about the soul. He says, you're, you know, I'm going to pray these things for you that, that they would be even as your soul is getting along well. It's like he was doing well, he was prospering, and, and that word is used there as well. His soul was prospering. It was getting along really well. Gaius was doing really well spiritually, but but maybe not so much physically. Maybe not so much materially. So you can kind of look at these two things. They're not always on the same level, right? There, there, There are things that go on in our lives. One commentator, uh, well, Matthew Henry said this. He says, there is such a thing as soul prosperity. And he said, it's the greatest blessing this side of heaven for the child of God. Soul prosperity. So there, these two, you may not have a lot of money. You may not be actually in good health. We need to pray for those things. But there's a, a, a sense that your soul can be just doing really, really well. Someone paraphrased, he says, I know that you are prospering in the concerns of your soul. I pray you similar prosperity in your body. But I think we we should stop and and ask the question, what is the condition of our soul? like, Like I said, we might be in perfect health. We might have loads of money and loads of stuff and all that. But what is the condition of our souls? Because he prays here that, you know, physically you would be like your soul, the condition of your soul. Sometimes I think we do take more care of our bodies and and the physical things of this world than we do of our souls. And that's not such a good thing, is it? Jesus said these words, for what it... What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Mark 8, 36. We can, can, you know, gain everything and get everything, but the situation of our soul, John says, even as your soul, 
is getting along well. What good is it if our soul is lost, if, we, if our soul isn't in a good place? There's priorities. Uh, Matthew 6.33, they sing this back in the kids. That's one of their favorite songs. Matthew 6.33, who wants to tell me what it says? Because it's really dry in here so I could have some water. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things, these other things will be added to you as well. We can seek all the things and, and miss the, the kingdom of God. And, and, and what is it, what is it good is it? What, what profit is it for us? Paul the Apostle said these words in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He said, he said, and, and there, you know, there were, if anybody faced hard times, it was the Apostle Paul. If anybody faced physical problems and issues, it was the Apostle Paul. So he could really speak to these issues. But he said these words, Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. Yet inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. There's something about the soul, the, the heart within us that, that is being renewed day by day or can be renewed day by day. And yet the outside, you know, it, it's breaking down. You can pray for me to, you know, have really good health and prosper in my health and that everything would go well. But the truth of the matter is, as the days, the weeks, the months and the years go by, it's not going to stay that way. It's just... It's just the way life is, isn't it? But our souls can be growing and getting more stronger day by day, being renewed day by day. He says, for what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. This eternal life that God has put within us. Interesting question um, I'm going to put this on the screen for you. Would we want our physical condition to... I, I wrote that wrong, didn't I? Our physical condition to correspond to our spiritual, our souls. And F.B. Meyer said, some would suddenly fall into ill health. Because that's, that's what John's saying there, that you know, our physical lives, the, the outward, I pray for you on those things, that, that it would go well for you even as your soul is prospering, even as the condition of your soul is. So if our outward and our physical would correspond to what our souls are in our spiritual life, how would that work out for you, for me? See, you understand what I'm saying? If our souls are in bad shape and our physical life would match up to it, and sometimes it's true as well that the condition of our souls and our spirits affect our physical, don't they? If we're not in a good place spiritually, sometimes we get dragged down physically as well. Warren Wiersbe talked about physical health and spiritual health. He says, you know, what makes good physical health Nutrition, exercise, good hygiene, 
rest and balance in our lives. And those are all important things, right? But he, he said our spiritual health, spiritual health requires the same things. We need nutrition. We need to be fed the Word of God. We need exercise. We need to be active in, in our faith, active in the church, active and in, involved in, in people's lives. We need purity. We need rest in the Lord. And we need that balance as well for you and for me. God told Joshua, in Joshua chapter 1, he said, Don't let this book of the law, the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. He said, Then you will be prosperous and successful. That's what God told Joshua. Get the word of God into your heart, into your life. Meditate on it. And then you're going to know what true prosperity really is. My dear friend Gaius, I pray for you. I wanted to end. I got a couple more minutes. I wanted to end with some scriptures about friendship. <clears throat> and I'll just quote them for you. Some of them you've heard before. <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 17, he said, A friend loves at all times. Faithful. And a brother is born for adversity. So the, there's something about a friendship that you're going to be consistent in it. Proverbs 27, he says, As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. As iron sharpens iron. We, we kind of like, you know, work on each other, but, it, but it, it reflects in the person's face, he says, in the countenance of his friend. You and I sharpen one another. Proverbs 27, ointment and, and perfume delight the heart, and the sweetness of a man's friend gives delight by hearty counsel, by what we share with one another. He says it's, there's a sweetness about it. It's like the ointment and the perfume that fills the room. But it's not always easy, is it? Proverbs 27, 6, he says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Sometimes we need, we need to say hard things to each other. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Proverbs 17, 9 he who covers over an offense promotes love. That's forgiveness. But whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. In other words, you know, there needs to be, you know, we need to trust one another and not be, you know, sharing everything. Guess what, you know, so-and-so just told me they were, they, they, were, they were asking for prayer. And then you just spread it all out. You put it up on Facebook. God help us. But the last one, Proverbs 18, 24, I'll put it on the screen. He says this. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You may have a lot of friends, you know what, but in the end, what's the most important friend? Who is the most important friend? Jesus he, he said, you know, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. He said, you are my friends. 
if you do what I command. He says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. Moses was called the friend of God, wasn't he? The most important friendship, the most important relationship is between us and him. But secondly is relationships between us. Let's pray together, shall we? Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for John the Apostle and the things he wrote. It's very important that he wrote them down, but he had a heart for this friend. And he prayed for him. Lord, I think you've given us an opportunity here in, in our lives, in this church, in this fellowship to care for one another, to pray for one another, to build relationships and friendships. Maybe just one or two, maybe three. Maybe some have capacity for more. Father, let us not pass the opportunity by. Father, remind us of the needs of our friends, our brothers and our sisters. Remind us of how we can help, how, how we can pray, how we can be in assistance. That this would be real, Lord. Maybe, Lord, there are some here today that are just saying, wow, I wish I had a friend that would pray for me. Give us eyes to see those that are in real need, Lord. And give those perhaps boldness and courage to reach out to someone and, and just ask. It's not easy. I know fear is strong, but we can get past it. You said, do not be afraid. Lord, I thank you for the the friends I have in my life, and mostly in this church and a few outside, some that I'll be seeing at the huddle. These long-term friendships, Lord, I thank you for them. People who care, care for me, I care for them. I pray you do that in our church, in our lives, Lord. But most of all, Lord, I pray and I thank you for the friendship that you've given me with yourself. You've called me friend, Jesus. And I thank you for that. A friend that sticks closer than a brother that's that sticks closer than any human relationship that will never, ever let me down. And I thank you for that. And I pray, Lord, for any that, that, that need that and want that today, you can, you can cry out to Jesus today and say, Jesus, I, 
I need you as my personal friend. So I come and I, I humble myself today and, and say, Jesus, come into my life and, and let's, let's have a relationship that is based on the, the love of the cross where you laid down your life for me. That I might have eternal life, an eternal relationship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing together, shall we?